I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live, a couple minutes late after the long holiday weekend, just working through some tech issues, but we're, we've got a good one uh, because, I don't know if you've noticed this, I, I've, we get you know pitches for books and uh, guests, potential guests on the broadcast program as well as, as the, the online program here uh, constantly, and I, I've just noticed over the last couple of years, especially starting about a year after COVID hit, uh, a lot of materials coming out dealing with mental health and i just this is such uh, an important issue that we we have to have a conversation about it uh and we have to help people and i am convinced that we have to not just help them in one area of their life but the whole the whole person idea and so i appreciate it when someone comes along who is a psychologist like today's guest stacy mcdonald she's a school psychologist uh, but also comes with a renewed mind, if I could say that. I just think we have to have a whole solution and not a partial. But, you know, that's why I bring the experts on. Uh, that's what I think. But let's hear it from, from someone who knows even more than I do, which is not hard. Stacy, great to have you on Life Today Live. It is such an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So now you work with primarily students uh all the grade levels but a lot in some of the younger areas that's correct absolutely elementary middle and some high but primarily elementary and middle school uh students uh, of all types students who deal with anxiety depression uh you name it we've dealt with it have you seen an uptick uh since covid or has it just been increasing and maybe that just kind of exacerbated exacerbated absolutely there has definitely been an uptick after the pandemic due to the social isolation uh, that occurred during the pandemic mm. a lot of our students are uh, continuing to the fallout from it having to deal with okay what's next the friendships that were hindered based upon that social isolation what's next after that and so yes we've seen an increase in anxiety an increase in depression and uh, overall even suicidal ideation we've seen an increase uh, and that's uh, i'm you know from a spiritual standpoint i just think it's an attack that's not from god right because god is, is one of life how do you as a as a believer, because here's the thing I noticed. So your, your book, which is over your shoulder, but I'll show a full picture of it. It's called the gospel of mental health. So now you, you, I, I, this, frankly, that caught my attention. And then the subtitle from mental health to mental wellness, I went, Oh, wow. Okay. Because you're, you're kind of taking two things that both sides have not always gone together very well from the scientific side. They're like, don't, you know, the God, this whole Jesus stuff, it's, you know, we're going to stick with science, right? And then from the from the church side, a lot of times we've just either put our head in the sand or said, well, you just need to pray more, or you need to have more faith. I mean, you, you seem to be intentionally marrying these two ideas. Am, am I reading that right? 
I would not say that I married them. I would say that heaven married them. (laughs) I would say that mental health and the gospel have always gone together. Mm. I would say that God has always shown compassion for those who are struggling with the embers of mental health. When you look at Elijah, when you look at David, when you look at Jonah and God's response to their mental anguish, how does God respond to them? Does God respond in anger? Does God say you should know better? Does God say, damned the devil? Uh, What does God I do. The Lord often simply tells him, go take a nap, get you something to eat. Um, in regard to Jonah, he uh, gives him this illustration of empathy, right? He's a loving father that comes where we are. We have not high priests who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He empathizes with us from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All right. You obviously didn't grow up in the same churches that I did because we would, we would not always approach it as, as you just laid out, as God did, uh, with, I mean, there was empathy, obviously, but there was a lot of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just get on with it, you know, put your nose to the plow. Uh, you're suggesting maybe a little more self-care? I am suggesting self-care. I am suggesting understanding. Uh, certainly, I likely did grow up in the way that you grew up. <laughs> Ours was a little different is in that it wasn't pick yourself up by the bootstrap. It was it was all the devil. Uh, rebuke the devil. You're depressed, rebuke the devil. You're anxious, rebuke the devil. Go pray it away. Just no counseling, no talking it out. Uh, there could possibly be no childhood trauma, nothing that you're going through internally that you need to work through. Mm. Just rebuke that devil and go on in Jesus' name. And so certainly I, I grew up in that environment. I tell the story in my book how I was raised in a two-parent home, Christian home, loving home. There were four siblings, mother and father, uh, apostolic Pentecostal. We lived in the church. And that is really not an exaggeration. We were there all but one day a week. Mm. And he began in his uh, mid to late 20s to show signs of very bizarre behavior. Um, And during that time, medical professionals diagnosed him with schizophrenia. The church diagnosed him as being being, uh, possessed with demons. And so the social isolation, we talked about the pandemic, the social isolation that comes with that. It's one thing to suffer any illness, but then to suffer the social isolation from that and the demonization from that certainly is not what God had in mind and not how he treats those in our ancient brothers and sisters in scripture. And it's not how he treats us today. So absolutely. I, you, you say I marry these things. I simply bring to light uh, what I did not have the privilege of knowing when I was a child watching these things unfold. You know, one thing I have heard is that the, uh, the demon possessed man, which is where the Bible identifies it. Uh, and I forget exactly what town he was in, but in the New Testament, he was throwing yeah. himself into fires, throwing himself on the ground. I've heard it suggested that, that possibly that was epilepsy. I have absolutely have heard, heard that many times that there was epileptic seizures, so yes. I, I, what, I, what I wonder then is two things, and I'm curious your opinion, especially with your background, which is very, very interesting. Is it is it possible that the man had uh, a mental issue, something in his brain that would cause like, like an epileptic seizure would be a, a brain issue, not, a, n- not um, a fault of his own, right, but just something where his brain was not functioning properly. Uh, and that the culture would call that demon possessed, which is why the Bible would reflect it. Or is there a, a spiritual tie that, 
that could then cause a mental illness. In other words, if there's some a spirit that is not of God that eventually gets the brain, you know, creating neural pathways that cause illness. I, do you see, I guess I'm asking which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, the, the possession and, of the illness. Is there any correlation? And so, of course, there's no way that we can know which came first, the chicken or the egg, in regard to the man in the gatherings, uh, who was throwing himself, cutting himself, breaking out right, of chains. Right. Scripture makes it very plain, and I believe scripture to be inerrant. Scripture makes it very plain that uh, these were demons, and the demons identified themselves as legion, and when they left the man, they went into the pigs, and the pigs then drowned themselves. Yeah. The problem with us is that we then take every behavior and we make it a devil, so <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and right. so then we have the scripture where the man was lame and the disciples looked at Jesus and said, who sinned, was it his mother or was it his father? And Jesus said, neither mm -hmm. one of them sinned. Mm -hmm. This happened so that the glory of God could be revealed. And so I think that we take one instance and we make it a be all. And that's simply not the way that it is. There are different extenuating circumstances for every situation. And the moment that we take a one all be all, we miss people. And when you miss people, you miss those who could be suffering, suicidal, uh, need help, and we're missing them because we're labeling them as something that it is not. So what, what do you do? Uh, do, do you, do you pray and give medicine or, you know, do you, cause my approach whenever I've got anything wrong with me is, is throw everything, everything at it. Right. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take most medication. I didn't get, I didn't get the so-called vaccine, uh, the COVID shot because of other concerns, but how do you approach these things? I would approach these things the same way that I would approach something physically. I recently had a dear friend who had was diagnosed with breast cancer. We prayed, we fasted. She had uh, chemotherapy. Mm. She eventually had surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Lord brought her through the surgery with prayer, with the help of the doctors, with medication, with all of those things. God heals in different ways. And so we can't always expect uh, God to do things in just one way. There's, there's a story about a man in the Bible uh, who was blind, right? And uh, he's in Mark chapter eight. And he, the Bible, uh, the Lord tells him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. The Bible says he spit in his eyes. He, um, he spit in the dirt, made some mud and put the mud in his eyes. Mm. And so there's a conversation that is fictional that supposedly happened between the man in Mark 8 and John 9, uh, where the man in Mark 8 said, hey, I, I was blind and now I can see. And the man in John 9 said, me too. And the man in Mark 8 said, well, how did you feel when the mud hit your eyes? And the man in John 9 said, I didn't feel any type of way because that never happened to me. He spit directly in my eye. And they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to where the man in Mark 8 finally said, I don't believe you're healed. If the Lord Jesus did not spit in the dirt and make some mud and put it in your eyes, then you are not healed. You are still blind today. That was the beginning of the Muddites and the anti-Muddites. Right. The, the purpose of that story is to show that God does not always heal in the same way. I've seen miraculous healings. I've seen God immediately take away tumors. I've seen God heal. But I've also seen God allow us to walk through some things. And I believe it's for the purpose of being a testimony to say God can keep me through it. He can heal me from it, but he can also keep me through the process of it. You know, if I went to a doctor who said, well, we have one way of treating this and we treat everybody in the exact same way. And we're going to do that with you. We aren't even going to have any conversations or do any more research. We're just going to treat it in the one way that I've always treated men. I probably wouldn't trust that doctor, but you're, you're so right. We tend to do that with the way God 
deals with us, whether it's physical healing or emotional healing, spiritual, however you want to look at it, it's like, well, it has to be this way. And I think God goes, would you quit saying I have to be that way? Because I am so far beyond you and the way you would do it. We come off like children a lot of times, and I think we miss it. Yes, yes. When he says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that statement alone means that it will not always be a miraculous healing. Sometimes it's going to be a fiery trial that we have to endure. Yeah, and sometimes you don't get healed, as some of us who have lost close loved ones know. And it's not for lack of prayer. It's not for lack of faith. It's because this life wasn't meant to last, but eternity was. And so some of us go into it further or quicker than others. And even though we feel robbed of the time of our loved ones here on earth, God's eternal view is just not the same as our, you know, we think death is the enemy and scripture very clearly says, you know, it's Jesus beat it all. Okay. So back to the idea of the gospel of mental health in in your, your book, which is available now, if people want to pick it up, um, where, where are you trying to, to go in a way that people who are struggling with anxiety, uh, with depression, maybe with suicide, what are you, what are you pointing them to in, in your book? We point them directly to the word of God, which also uh, is in agreement with many of the strategies and resources that we use daily in counseling, uh, journaling, talk therapy, exercise, putting the right stuff in your body, um, making sure that sometimes you need to do a, a self-examination or a self-autopsy to see how my communication is uh, in being able to relay how it is that I'm feeling. And so throughout this book, you'll see strategies, you'll see tools, you'll see resources, you'll see uh, where you can work things out to where it's not, I'm just reading this, but I'm actually working out these situations in my life. But the beautiful thing about it is it is all scriptural base. It comes from the word of God. It gives us everyday examples uh, that we can relate to from the word of God. Have you had any reaction from other psychologists who may not take the same heavily spiritual approach you do? Yes, I have. And uh, it's been so refreshing that when we sit down and we talk about it, we realize we're talking about the same stuff. Mm. The truth of the matter is it's I believe that much of what we use in psychology and even many of the things that we use in science comes from scripture anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it, it somewhat gets its basis and its foundation from. So we're, we're speaking the same language. I'm just uh, making sure God is included in that language. The creator who made us would know most about us. And this is why we see in scripture the Lord using many of the things. You think about Paul talking about, think on those things that are good, those things that are pure. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is all about thought patterns. This is what we teach in psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always, I have long said that I believe science is God revealing his creation to us so that we can understand it. I, I view science as grace, right? You're nodding and I appreciate that. I, I do. So I mean, every time we make a scientific breakthrough, it's we're learning something about God's creation in order to benefit mankind. And again, I just think that's the grace of God. So that's why I'm not down on science. Uh, I recognize that it's a, it's a process that limits itself to the physical by, you know, by necessity. And so as long as we understand that, it's not going to address everything, but it's going to, it's going to teach us a lot and we can learn from it. So I'm not, not afraid of it, not opposed to it at all. Um, in the area of psychology and mental illness, uh, it's a little harder, you know, it's, it's not 
you, you can't look in the brain and see the, the depression. Well, I, I, that actually may not be entirely true because some of the technologies even lighten up parts of the brain that, yes. that seems to be triggered in that, in that way. But um, where was I going with the question? The, the question was more about dealing with students and, and people where you've seen a lot of onset. What, what's, what's working? You know, and, and I know that's a tough question in light of what you just said, which is there's not a cookie cutter formula. You got to look at all these different things. Are you seeing some progress in people? Absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, what works is relationships. Okay. And I think that's what many of us are lacking because yeah. we're so much on screens all day. There's no physical contact, that lack of physical relationship, mm. which is what exacerbated a lot of mental illness, right? Do, throughout the pandemic. And so first and foremost, those relationships. Secondly, I would say, and this as well as the church, uh, when it comes to learning those coping and calming strategies, mm. these are things that we didn't learn in Sunday school. We didn't learn how to uh, self-regulate. We didn't learn how to calm ourselves. We learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all those uh, books to the Bible and all those different stories, but we didn't rarely did we apply those things to where we actually learned how to calm ourselves. How, how did David get to the point to where he left the sword room rather than trying to fight Saul? So even kind of uh, doing an autopsy of those relationships. And so teaching students those strategies of how do I, how, how do I practice mindfulness? How do I live in this moment rather than go in into a fear concocted future? How do I, how am I able to stay in this moment and appreciate this moment and experience gratefulness in this moment? And so teaching those things along with gratitude mm -hmm. uh, has made a huge difference. Uh, yes, absolutely. You can see a difference. Relationships first, strategy second. Okay. You said a key word there and I, and I want to hit on that. By the way, great comments, Denise, Sandra, uh, Loretta, Judy, as always, appreciate you guys chime in. If you have any questions, feel free to chime in. But you said the word gratitude. And, who boy, it, it seems like we've all got something to complain about right now. Uh, obviously, the economy's hard on people. Uh, we just went through an election where about half the people are happy, half the people are unhappy, and that's just going to continue, you know. Um, how how do we shift from seeing the negative, which is always going to be there, and letting it drive us, to seeing the the positives, even even when we're facing some pretty big hardships, in order to to cultivate a spirit of gratitude? Because, like you, I think that that is critical to our, especially to our mental health. It is absolutely critical. Absolutely. Gratitude, gratefulness will shift our entire mood. Um, I like the way that Matthew Henry put it in regard to a story that he told about a time that he had gotten robbed. And so uh, he tells it that he says that night that he was robbed, he wrote in his diary all of the things that he was grateful for. Mm -hmm. And make that make sense. I got robbed, but I'm writing what I'm grateful for. So he, he sat down and he wrote in his diary all the things that he was grateful for. And so first he said, I'm grateful that I'd never been robbed before. Second, he said that though they took his wallet, they didn't take his life. Third, they said, because even though they took it all, it wasn't very much. <laughs> and finally, he said, because he was the one who was robbed and not the one who did the robbing. Oh. So think about that story and how differently his mental health would have been 
had he not had the ability to manage and express feelings related to his experience and not being able to allow gratefulness even into his place of trauma. And so when we can create that positive inner look, we'll find ourselves being able to have a greater positive outlook. Gratefulness has so much to do with our state of mental health, whether or not we are positive, cheerful, joyful, or depressed and anxious. It is impossible to be grateful and angry at the same time. It's impossible to be grateful and depressed at the same time. It is impossible. And so when I can get my place, myself to the place I'm practicing gratefulness, I begin to experience more joy and more peace, right? Mm -hmm. Boy, it's so well stated. Do you, is this is this something you've struggled with or is this just more you helping others? I'm just curious. I, everything that I've written probably in there, I have in some way, in some point in my life struggled with. Um, feelings of even growing up. Again, I, I mentioned very briefly about some of the childhood experiences and then feeling alone and feeling abandoned. Yeah. And I was not alone. I was not abandoned. Mm -hmm. My father was simply unable to care for me. And so having to go through that process and yes, through that process, learning gratefulness, yeah. learning the goodness of God, seeing the grace of God throughout it and growing in that really is what birthed this book. Wow. Whatever happened to your father? He is still alive, still functioning. He is still a believer. Mm -hmm. It, people, people. I don't know why we think that you can have cancer and be a believer, but you can't have depression and be a believer, or schizophrenia and be a believer. He's still a believer. He absolutely has to take his medication every day. Uh, without his medication, he uh, can become in a very sad catatonic state. Um, but he is, he's living, he's functioning. And to me, he's the strongest person that I know because wow. uh, to suffer as many years as you have suffered and to live the life that you're living and keep striving and thriving to me is absolutely amazing. Wow. No, that is now see now that right there, uh, you go beyond just the sort of the academic and a lot of our discussion into the real. Yes. And to me that says hope. Yes. Someone who may be struggling in this area, they, they got to hear that there's hope. I mean, there's hope for everyone, isn't there? There, the most beautiful thing about God for me is that it lets me know there's always hope. Whoever you may be listening right now, there is always hope. As long as there's breath in your body, there is hope, absolutely. And if you don't have anything else, if all you have is hope, you have enough. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that, that truly is what some people need need to hear, um, because it's it, it's sometimes hard to bridge the gap between uh, someone who is experiencing these things and people who are not, uh, yeah. because we, I've, I've dealt with this some um, where you're you're trying to you're trying to uh, relate, it, but it's just it's. Hmm, how do, you, how do you put it? It's like two puzzle pieces that just will never fit together. No matter how much you want to, it's just not cut the same way. And I think the one thing that you can always extend if you, if you're feeling it yourself, or if you have a loved one who is going through some anxiety or depression or whatever level it's at, uh, it is that there's hope. And then take action to get to the hope. What do you, if someone's struggling right now, what what action steps do you 
think they should take? Should they go to their pastor first? Maybe they should they go to a counselor first? Is, is there any direction that is maybe better than another for someone who's struggling? Of course, it depends on where you are in yeah. your struggle, right? Uh, I was recently sick and I started off doing some, I'm vegan. Uh, I tout that because to me, what we put in our body makes a huge difference in the way that we feel. So I didn't want to start with a bunch of medication. So I started with supplements, right? Mm. I started there. Yeah, now, when I got to the place where my breathing was difficult, <laughs> I went to the doctor. So it depends on where you are in the struggle. If you're at the place where you're thinking about suicide, you're thinking about harming yourself, uh, don't skip skip every other step and go and see someone, talk to someone, speak to a professional. If you're at a place where you find yourself feeling anxious or feeling depressed, reach out to a friend, reach out to a trusted loved one, reach out, yes, to your pastor. Absolutely, if your pastor is available to speak on that level. And hopefully, if it is something that your pastor cannot talk you through to a, a point of resolution or a point of healing or a point of feeling better, then hopefully your pastor will point you to someone who can, a professional who can. But it depends on where you are. If if, if I can't breathe, let me go to the emergency room. If I'm just not feeling well, then, then let me see what I can do where I am. And you may not always have to even have a conversation immediately. Again, it depends on where you are. You may be in a place where you just need to journal or you need to practice some, mind, some mindfulness or uh, maybe you need to Simply take a break, right? Yeah. A staycation or something. Depends on where you are in your struggle. It, you know, and that is such a wise answer. Uh, and and I do think it parallels the physical. I'm the same way. I I, do, I don't I didn't I didn't want to get the COVID shot because of some history with uh, some medical history of mine. I was worried about the side effects, and so yeah, what did I do? I started pounding the supplements. Uh, but then later, you know, when you get sick, it's like. All right, I need to take this to the next level, uh, and and I'm not afraid to go to the doctor. I'm not afraid to get surgery or anesthesia, but you just you're right. An appropriate response to the immediate need uh, and wisdom, um, especially if you're a caretaker or a loved one of someone, uh, and you got to watch for that because you can get to the point where you can't take care of yourself. Uh, right. Wow. Okay. Well, as we roll into the holidays. Um, what do you what do what do you tell people you know because this is a tough time for people stress some people just had an awful time at thanksgiving not me we had a wonderful time my family had a, but some people as you know right they they're seeing loved ones that cause them stress or they're having to try to meet expectations expectations that that cause anxiety uh or maybe they're alone and and that's just brought on depression uh, how do you get through this tough season? Because I know, for the, for, especially for people that struggle, this is the toughest time of year a lot of times. Uh, this is sad season, seasonal affective disorder, right? Mm -hmm. And this is also some seasons where uh, some of us will have to go through Christmas for the first time without that spouse, without that uh, daughter, without that son. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're going into a season perhaps in a way that we've never experienced before. And so this is the time that we need to know our bodies Know your body to where you can have self-care. When you feel that 
you're off kilter and we know what that means you you know when you're not quite feeling yourself when when um you're, you're not thinking the same you're not sleeping well you're not eating well you know when that is mm -hmm. and so it's that time to practice self-care i know the holidays are supposedly about everyone else it's supposed to be about jesus <laughs> but we make it about everyone else and so instead of focusing on everyone else make sure that you're looking to yourself seeing how you're feeling uh, practicing some self-care strategies and absolutely surrounding yourself with people who care as much as you would love to isolate yourself the scariest thing that you could do in the middle of a mental anguish is to be alone what does a lion go for he seeks who he can devour right the one who is alone the one who's separated from the pack have someone around you, someone that you trust, someone that that uh, will speak life into you. Don't allow yourself to be alone during this time and make sure that you're paying attention to yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to the way that your mind is feeling, the way that your heart is feeling. Listen to your sleep patterns. Listen to you. Mm. We listen to the Holy Spirit. No, baby, listen to you so that you can get to the place where you can respond to you in a healthy way because we want to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, we do. And you know that you're right about the holiday season. It, it'll be 10 years this year uh, since just a few days after Christmas, 10 years ago, my younger sister passed away. And so those, those next, the next holiday or she's not there. It, it is weird. It is tough. Uh, but you know, you said it, Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus. And I really, I mean, Stacy, I'm just more and more convinced that without him, we can, we can do nothing. And, and I, and, I, that means nothing. That means you can't, you, you can't will your way back to really a solid state of health mentally or physically or spiritually without Jesus. Uh, and, and I, I don't say that judgmentally or exclusively. I say that as no, look, you, you need this for your own good. You know, this is good news. Uh, and so I appreciate, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm. You're a great guest interviewer, enthusiast. <laughs> but I also, I appreciate you looking at this with uh, a whole person concept and, and throwing everything at it. Uh, anything you want to mention before I let you go? I just pray that each and every listener will take time throughout this holiday season to do exactly some of those things, those self-care practices. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in, in writing out how you feel right? Write it out so that you can look at it, get it out of your mind and onto paper to maybe that some things that you didn't think could be resolved could actually be resolved, right? Take some things off of your list instead of adding things to your list this year, all right? Take care of you. You are important. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, scripture, you look at the scripture, it talks a lot about prayer, but it says pray and act. And I hear you. You're saying do something. Do yeah. Something. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I got to ask you about the website because we didn't touch on this and you didn't bring it up, but this is the website. There's the book, The Gospel of Mental Health. But if you go to the gospelmentalhealth.org, you'll go to the McDonald Ministries website. Uh, and there she is. Um, what all is available on your website? Because you Everything. <laughs> Events. All right. Everything. We have this weekend, uh, Gospel of Mental Health conference coming up, the first of its kind in Kentucky, that is going to be absolutely amazing from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., only $25, lunch, raffles, expert speakers, panelists, you name it. In addition, on their website, you will also see um, 
mental health screeners for depression, for anxiety, oh, to good. see if you're balanced or not. You'll see all kinds of YouTube videos, as well as coping and calming sessions that I do on my podcast that are grounded and rooted in scripture. Um, so all those things are one-stop shop right there. Now, the book is available everywhere that books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. But everything else you can get right there on that website. Uh, and I appreciate you going through that because people need resources to follow up. And I would encourage people to follow up. Stacey McDonald, thank you so much. You've been a blessing. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great Christmas. We're in our Advent season at our church, and it's, it's nice. Stay focused. Take care of yourself. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. We float on the vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.